0: Good morning. Today I would like to address an important part of foreign policy. This speech I am the read today was read by the forty third President of the United States, George W. Bush, on november tenth, two thousand one, just a couple of months after the September eleventh terrorist attacks on our nation. These words, I think, are very pertinent to today's uh, current activities in our world. Mr. Secretary, General, Mr. President, distinguished delegates, and ladies and gentlemen, we meet in a hall devoted to peace in a city scarred by violence, in a nation. Awakened to danger in a world uniting for a long struggle. Every civilized nation here today is resolved to keep the most basic commitment of civilization. We will defend ourselves and our future against terror and the lawless of violence. The United Nations was founded in this cause. In a second world war we learn there is no isolation from evil. We affirm that some crimes are so terrible, they offend humanity itself. And we resolved that the aggressions and the ambitions of the wicked must be opposed early, decisively, and collectively before they threaten us all. That evil has returned, and that cause is renewed. A few miles from here, many thousands still lie in a tomb of rumble. Tomorrow, the Secretary General, the President of the General Assembly, and I will visit that site, where the names of every nation and region that lost citizens will be read aloud. If we were to read the names of every person who died, it would take nearly three hours. Those names include a citizen of Gambia, whose wife spent their fourth wedding anniversary, September the 12th, searching in vain for her husband. Those names include a man who supported his wife, Mexico, sending home money every week. Those names include young, a young Pakistanian who pr- prayed toward Mecca five times a day, and died that day trying to save others. The suffering of the September 11th attack was infected on people of many faiths and many nations. All of the victims, including Muslims, were killed with equal indifference and equal satisfaction by the terrorist leaders. The terrorists are violating the tenets of every religion, including the one they invoke. Last week, the Sheikh Al Azhar University, the world's oldest Islamic university of higher learning, declared that terrorism is a disease and that Islam prohibits killing innocent civilians. The terrorists calls, call their cause holy, yet they fund it with drug dealing. They encourage murder and suicide in the name of a great faith. That forbids both. They dare to ask God's blessing as they set out to kill, to kill innocent men, women, and children. But the God of Isaac and Ismael would never answer such a prayer. And a murderer is not a martyr. He just He's just a murderer. Time is passing, yet for the United States of America. There will be no forgetting September the 11th. We will forever remember every rescuer who died in honor. We will remember every family that lives in grief. We will remember the fire and the ash, the last phone calls, the funerals of the children. And the people of my country will remember those who applauded against us, learning their names we're coming to know their faces there is no corner of the earth distant or dark enough to protect them however long it takes their hour of justice will come every nation has a stake in this cause as we meet the terrorists are planning more murder perhaps in my country perhaps in yours they kill because they aspire to dominate they seek To overthrow governments and destabilize entire regions. Last week, anticipating the this meeting of the General Assembly, they denounced the United Nations. They called our Secretary General a criminal and all Arab nations here as traitors to Islam. Few countries meet their exacting standards of brutality and oppression. Every other country is a potential target and the and the world faces the most horrifying aspect of all. The same terrorists are searching for weapons of mass destruction. The tools turn their hate, their hatred into a holocaust. It can be expected to use chemical, biological, and nuclear weapons the moment they are capable of doing so. No hint of consciousness would prevent that. Their threat cannot be ignored. Their threat cannot be appeased. Civilization itself, the civilization we share, is threatened. History will record our response and judge our, or justify every nation in its hall. The civilized world is now responding. We have to defend ourselves and deliver our children from the future of fear. We choose the dignity of life over a culture of death. We choose lawful change and civil disagreement over corrosion, subversion, and chaos. These commitments, hope, and order, law, and faith unite people across cultures and continents. Upon these commitments depend all peace and progress. For these commitments, we are determined to fight. The United Nations has risen to this responsibility. On the 12th of September, these buildings, op- these buildings opened for emergency meetings of the General Assembly and the Security Council. Before the sun had set, those attacks on the world were condemned by the world. And I want to thank you for this strong and principled stand. I also want to thank the arabic Islamic countries that have condemned terrorist murder. Many of you have seen the destruction of terror in your own land. The terrorists are increasingly isolated by their own hatred and extremism. They cannot hide behind Islam. The authors of mass murder and their allies have no place in any culture and no home in any faith. The conspiracies of terror are being answered by expanding a world coalition. Not every nation will be a part of every action against the enemy, but every nation in our coalition has duties. These duties can be demanding as, it, as we in America are learning. We've already made adjustments in our laws in our daily lives. We are taking new measures to investigate terror and protect against threats. The leaders of all nations must carefully consider the responsibilities in their future. Terrorist groups like Al Qaeda depend on the aid or indifference of governments. They need the support of financial infrastructure and safe havens to train, to plan, and to hide. Some nations want to play their part in the fight against terror but tell us they lack the means to enforce the laws and control their borders. We stand ready to help. Some governments still turn a blind eye to terrorists, hoping the threat will pass them by. They are mistaken, and some governments, while pledging to uphold the principles of the UN, have cast their lot with the terrorists. They support them and harbor them, and they will find that they're welcome they will find that their welcome guests are parasites that will weaken them and eventually consume them. For for every regime that sponsors terror, there's a price to be paid, and it will be paid. The allies of terror are equally guilty of murder and equally accountable to justice. The Taliban are now learning this lesson. That regime, the terrorists who support it, are now virtually indisguisable. Together, they promote terror abroad and impose a reign of terror on the Afghan people. Women are executed in Kabul's soccer stadium. They can be beaten for wearing socks that are too thin. Men are jailed for missing prayer meetings. The United States, supported by many nations, It's bringing justice to the terrorists in Afghanistan. We're making progress against military targets, and that's our objective. Unlike the enemy, we seek to minimize, not to maximize, the loss of innocent life. I'm proud of the honorable conduct of the American military, and my country grieves for all the suffering the Taliban has brought upon Afghanistan, including. The terrible burden of war. The Afghan people do not deserve their present rulers. Years of Taliban misrule have brought nothing but misery and starvation. Even before this current crisis, four million Afghans depended upon food from the United States and other nations and millions of Afghans were refugees from Taliban oppression. I make this promise to all victims of that regime. The Taliban's days of harboring terrorists and dealing in heroin and brutalizing women are drawing to a close. And when that regime is gone, the people of Afghanistan will say with the rest of the world, good riddance. I can promise, too, that America will join the world in helping the people of Afghanistan rebuild their country. Many nations, including mine, are sending food, medicine to help the Afghans through the winter. America has airdropped over 1.3 million packages of rations into Afghanistan. Just this week, we airlifted 20,000 blankets and over 200 tons of provisions into the region. We continue to provide humanitarian aid, even while the Taliban tried to steal the food we send. More help will eventually be needed. The United States will work closely with the United Nations and development banks to reconstruct Afghanistan after hostilities there have ceased. And the Taliban are no longer in control. And the United States will work with the UN to support a post-Taliban government that represents all of the Afghan people. In this war of terror, each of us must answer for what we have done or what we have left undone. After tragedy, there is a time of symphony and condolence. In my country, there has been, we've been very grateful for both. The memories and vigils, memorials and vigils around the world will not be forgotten. But the time for symphony has now passed. The time for action has now arrived. The most basic obligations of this new conflict have already been defined by the United United Nations. On September the 28th, the Security Council adopted Resolution 1373. Its requirements are clear. Every United Nations member has responsibility to crack down on terrorist financing. We must pass all necessary laws in our own countries to allow the confiscation of terrorist assets we must apply these laws to every financial institution and in every nation we have a responsibility to share intelligence and coordinate the efforts of law enforcement if you know something tell us if we know something we will tell you and when we find the terrorist we must work together to bring them to justice we have a responsibility to deny and and in any sanctuary safe haven or transit to terrorists. Every known terrorist camp must be shut down. Its operators apprehended and evidence of their arrests presented to the United Nations. We have a responsibility to, to deny weapons to terrorists and be active and to actively prevent private citizens from providing them to them. These obligations are urgent and they are binding on every nation with a pl- with a place in this chamber. Many governments are taking their obligations seriously, and my country appreciates it. Yet even beyond Resolution 1373, more is required and more is expected of our coalition against terror. We are asking for a comprehensive commitment to this fight. We must unite in opposing all terrorists. We are not some of them. In this world, there are good causes and there are bad causes. We may disagree on where the line is drawn, yet there's no such thing as a good terrorist. No national aspiration, no remembered wrong can ever justify the deliberate murder of the innocent. Any government that rejects this principle, trying to pick and choose its terrorist friends, will know the consequences. We must speak the truth about terror. Let us never tolerate outrageous conspiracy theories concerning the attacks of September September the 11th, malicious lies that attempt to shift the blame away from the terrorists themselves and away from the guilty. To inflame the ethnic hatred is to advance the cause of terror. The war against terror must not serve as an excuse to prosecute the ethnic and religious minorities in any country. Innocent people must be allowed to live their own lives, by their own customs, under their own religion. And every nation must have avenues for peaceful expression of opinion and dissent. When these avenues are closed, the temptation to speak through through violence grows. We must press on with our agenda for peace and prosperity in every land. My country is pledging to to encouraging the development and expanding trade. My country is pledging to investing in education and combating AIDS and other infectious diseases around the world. Following September the 11th, these pledges were even more important in our struggle against hatred groups that exploit poverty and and despair. We must offer alternative of opportunity and hope. The American government also stands by its commitment to a just to peace in the Middle East. We are working toward a day when two, the two states of Israel and Palestine will live peaceably together within secure and recognized borders, are called, called for by the Security Council resolutions. We will do, we will do all in our power to bring both parties Back to the negotiations, but with peace will only come when we have sworn off forever incitement, violence, and fear. And finally, this struggle is a defining moment for the United Nations itself and the world. It needs principal leadership. It undermines the credibility of this great institution. For example, When the Commission on Human Rights offers seats to the world's most powerful persistent violators of human rights, the United Nations depends above all on its moral authority, and that authority must be preserved. The steps I have described will not be easy. For all nations, they will require effort. For some nations, they will require great courage. Yet, the cost of an action. Is far greater. The only alternative to victory is a nightmare world where every city is a potential killing field. As I told the American people, freedom and fear are at war. We face enemies that hate our policies, that, that hate not our policies, but our existence, the tolerance of openness and creative culture that define us. But the out come that the conflict is certain. There is, there is a current in history, and it runs toward freedom. Our enemies resent and dismiss it, but the dreams of all mankind are defined by liberty. The natural right to create and to build and to worship and to live in dignity. When men and women are released from oppression and isolation, they find fulfillment and hope. They will leave poverty by the millions. These aspirations are lifting up the peoples of Europe, Asia, Africa, and the Americas. They can lift up all the Islamic world. We stand for the permanent hopes of humanity, and those hopes will not be denied. We're confident, too, that history has an author who fills time and eternity with this this purpose. We know that evil is real, but good will prevail against it. It is a teaching of many faiths, and that insurance we gain for a long journey. We gain strength for a long journey. It is our task, the task of this generation, to provide the response to aggression and terror. We have no other choice because there is no other peace. We did not ask for this mission yet. There is honor in history's call. We have a, cho- a chance to write the story of our times, a story of courage, defeating cruelty, uh, cruelty, and light overcoming darkness. This calling is worthy of any life and worthy of every nation. So let us go forward confident, determined, and unafraid. Thank you very much.